Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome, everyone. It is Fizz Radio on the score 1260 or in a podcast version. Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte here with you for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, We got plenty to talk about, even though Syracuse is not in session right now. Plenty to talk about on the football gridiron. We'll get to some five-star review where we always talk about the biggest and brightest names that are being recruited specifically by Syracuse basketball. Of course, we'll get to fictional fizz and fizz feedback down the line. But Matt, we got to start with the only team in Syracuse that is active right now, and that's Bayheim's Army. And they're not actually in Syracuse, but they are competing in the basketball tournament. They're three games in, three wins in, and now they're into the Elite Eight. And Matt, when we look at most recently, a couple wins and a couple convincing wins. There was one close one to start off the tournament, but then most recently, a convincing win over Always a Brave, the Bradley alumni team. Uh, This team seems to be getting better and better each game, and that's what you like to see because it looks like, yeah, they added a couple new pieces, and of course, you're going to have to get those guys in and, and see how you all work together, but they are hitting their stride right at the right time with the Elite Eight coming up this Saturday. Absolutely, and the storyline going into this game was that in Game 2 against uh, Heartfire, it was the non-SU guys that really were leading the way for this team. It was Kiefer Sykes, Tyrese Rice, DJ Kennedy, and DeAndre Kane that really were the the steadfast go-to players on the court at any given time, and among the Syracuse crowd, that isn't really what you want to see when you're watching Bayheim's Army. It's really, it turned into Overseas Elite featuring Bayheim's Army. Um, <laughs> so to see Chris McCullough come out against Always a Brave and score 19 points and really stuff the stat sheet and be the go-to guy was definitely a good thing to see for SU fans. But, you know, those, those uh, non-SU guys were still in the mix. Kiefer Sykes has been very, very impressive. I think the most impressive non-SU player uh, just because the expectations are relatively low, and he's exceeded them so so far. Ten points, three rebounds, three assists, and two ste- or three steals against Always a Brave to help in the win against the, uh, against uh, the Bradley alums. I think that you know Bayheim's Army's on a great course right now, but they need to get that continuous production out of Chris McCullough and more production out of the other SU guys, CJ Fair, Tyler Lydon, even Devo and and Malachi Richardson especially, haven't really been exactly what we'd all like to see, so they're going to need more from them. Yeah, so I want to go back to, to Sykes specifically. He's a guy that when we were previewing the tournament before the tournament, we weren't really paying too much attention to him. Most of the attention was going to DJ Kennedy because he was the big name that they brought in and he was going to be the guy. And even DeAndre Kane also was getting a bunch. Tyrese Rice, and, and rightfully so, Rice has been fantastic. However, Sykes coming off the bench is, has been great. He played 22 minutes. That was almost at right at the top I mean he's uh what is it I guess Malachi Richardson played 23 or rather DJ Kennedy but still uh, you're right at the top you're producing both offensively and defensively and you're a guy that you didn't really have an eye on to start this tournament so he's been maybe my the the brightest bulb on this team that I've been impressed with 
However, I want to go to the other side of the argument and really break down who hasn't been too impressive. Uh, for me, the first one that jumps right off the page is Devo. I, I mean, yeah, he's getting up there in age. Yes, there's a lot of firepower on this team compared to last, last season and the years before. But... He played 17 minutes against Always a Brave, only had 7 points, shot 3 for 6 from the field, 1 for 2 from beyond the arc, added 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and that's just about it. 2 turnovers. I mean, his turnover to assist ratio was even, and that's not what you like to see, especially from Devo, who a season ago, or, or rather last year, if you don't want to call these seasons, they're just tournaments, uh, he was the leading scorer. He was the entire offense. He was everything for that team. And it's great to have people that can pick up the slack. However, I don't know. Devo, it's just a little weird to see him struggling as much as he is. I don't think he's struggling that much. I mean, he was shooting 50%. You mentioned three from six, one from two from behind the arc. Those aren't bad numbers. The thing, yes, you mentioned last year he was the main scorer, but you don't really need him to be that this year when you have those four non-SU guys. I think Devo is doing exactly what he needs to be doing, being that that uh, that force uh, really as a teammate and putting that chemistry in to this team. He's the heart and soul of this squad, and his seven points, three rebounds, two assists, he has a couple turnovers, but also a steal. He had a plus eight uh for the entire game i think devo is doing exactly what you need him to be doing i have no yeah, problem with his performance i think where you have to look in the box score is that big fat goose egg next to malachi richardson a guy that really sure. should be producing he's a lot younger sure. than devo a guy who should be shooting way more than one time each game zero points last night on monday he had just one malachi richardson cannot be performing the way he's performing right now it's just unacceptable i think devo's fine you need to start worrying about number 23 instead yeah well going back to Devo I mean he had two points in the opener in the second round he had seven in the third rounds and most recently against always a brave he had six so or rather flip that he had six and then seven uh so it's I don't know it's it's not too impressive but you're right and again Jaron May Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio uh we're, we're talking about how Bayheim's army has made it to the Elite Eight in the basketball tournament. They're doing much better than they were last season, and it's in large part thanks to the new addition. So, Matt, uh, when we look at this team, and let's just say taking this year's tournament, this year's field, this year's matchups, and the path that Syracuse had, uh, they start with Forces of Soul. Most recently, they play Always a Brave. In between there, they played Heartfire. So my question for you is, if they ran back this same exact path against those same three teams with last year's roster, without the new additions, without the uh, the overseas elite guys, and they just had purely Syracuse alumni, which to their namesake, would they have made it to the Elite Eight like they did this season? Absolutely not. I think it would have been another season like it's been in the past where you have almost all Syracuse alumni or all Syracuse alumni. You would have gone out in the second round or the third round. Uh, so, I mean, sure, it's not exactly what you love to see, but what do you what do you value more? Uh, an entirely Syracuse-derived team or winning? That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And for well, well, for the players, they definitely value the the million dollars more. Exactly. So <laughs> I think these guys want to worth more than zero. Also, and if if you if the team is the majority Syracuse, which it is, you have majority Syracuse guys on this team, well past fifty percent. 
I think that you just have to be happy that Bayheim's army is winning basketball games and that they're on a, I think they're on a good path. That was a very convincing win, a 15-point W last night over Always a Brave. I think that they're going to be just fine going forward, and I think that they're going to have a great chance to win this thing, and it is going to be on the backs of those non-SU guys and hopefully Chris McCullough, who definitely does have an NBA shot. I think McCullough definitely has that talent, and he's going to be showing that off in this tournament. That's the point he's playing. He wants to win, of course, but he wants to show everybody he can still play, and he wants to be in the NBA. So you say that they have a good shot of winning it all. Before this the tournament started, I said that they were going to make it to the championship but lose because they seem like they have that firepower, but they can never get over the hump. However, what's coming up next is the Elite Eight, and that's where we go now here on Fizz Radio with Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May. Go follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Uh, we look ahead, and we look ahead to the Elite Eight matchup with the Golden Eagles, the reigning TBT champs. They won in 2020. Now they match up with Syracuse's alumni team in the Elite Eight. And this is the Golden Eagles is the Marquette alumni team. Uh, Listen, they won in 2020. They made it to the championship in 2019 where they lost to Carmen's crew. They made it to the semifinals in 2018. They made it to the quarters in 2017. They have, they made it to the quarters again also in 2016. They have an illustrious career in TBT and it's pretty impressive how solid they are. They're also the number one seed coming out of the division that Bayheim's army is in. Uh, so, Matt, lo- looking at this game coming up Saturday at 2 o'clock, uh, where do you see the strengths and weaknesses on this Eagles squad? Well, they're another guard-heavy team, and that's we all know that uh, guards win you this tournament. That's why Bayheim's Army went out and got the non-SU guys, Tyrese Rice and Kiefer Sykes. Tyrese Rice is going to be instrumental uh, in bringing in a win. Syracuse, or uh, excuse me, Bayheim's Army. I think I'm going to do that 25 uh, times. Every um, time. Every <laughs> Bayheim's time. Army, they were in the driver's seat all night, but a, a couple points seemed a little bit flustered when in the first half when Tyrese Rice was having a, a really hard time uh, playing well. I mean, he he five turnovers in the first half alone. He couldn't shoot the ball. He had zero points. Uh, If Tyrese Rice can really buckle down and play like he did in the first two games and not turn the ball over every five seconds, they're going to be just fine. And the same thing goes for Kiefer Sykes. If he can pull it together, not foul as much, and kind of just, you know, shoot at a higher percentage. Three of eight's fine, but you're going to want that to be a little bit higher. You're going up against a team like the Golden Eagles who have plenty of scoring guards uh, that are going to beat you. So if you can keep up with them and, and shoot at a higher rate and not give away the ball to a team that's going to run fast, going to shoot the three, uh, you're going to be just fine. But it's going to be all about the guard play for Syracuse. You're going to need Chris McCullough, DJ Kennedy, and DeAndre Kane to be doing what they've been doing, but the guard play is going to be key. So some of those guards on the Golden Eagles, which is the Marquette alumni team that Bayheim's Army is playing this upcoming Saturday, the, the names that you need to know, Elgin Cook, he didn't actually play at Marquette, he, he was a transfer to Oregon, he played the most of his collegiate career there, he's averaging just shy of 17 points per game in this tournament, and also uh, can dish the ball out as well, and then Dwight Buckus, and, and Cook is, you know, kind of a guard-forward combo before I get on to Bucks, uh, he 
Cook is, you know, 6'7", can play strong, can play down low, but can also have a handle and can body, you know, on the outside and on the inside. As for Dwight Bucks, uh, he's, I mean, he's an all-around guard that you don't ask for much more of. 15 points per game, five assists, can sometimes grab a rebound here and there. He's not going to kill you on the boards, but for his size, I mean, three rebounds per game in the tournament so far is nothing to scoff at. So he's also the big name. It's Elgin Cook, Dwight Bucks. Your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, I mean, they're they're a very, very solid team. You mentioned Elgin Cook. Last time out, he was seven for seven, five rebounds. The guy plays very, very good game. Uh, and they're they're an offensively driven team. They score very. Uh, their their output is high every single time. Seventy one points against playing for Jimmy V. Uh, these guys are going to score the ball, and that's not really what's going to be in question. It's going to be about can Bayheim's army keep up with them and contain them. Uh, there's plenty of scorers on this team that can spread the wealth, but it's whether or not Bayheim's army can keep up and contain their shooters. Yeah, keeping up is the key to this game coming up Saturday at 2 o'clock when we look at the past matchups. Uh, for the Golden Eagles, they put up 88 points, they put up 71 points, and they put up 94 points in a condensed TBT game. That is some impressive scoring and some impressive play by the number one seed Golden Eagles, who take on Bayheim's Army Saturday. TBT Elite Eight Bayheim's Army, the Syracuse alumni team, is looking to move on to the Final Four. Uh, over and out on that after the break however we will get to some football talk because a couple Syracuse football players have received some preseason awards we'll get to all that right after the break on Fizz Radio if you're good okay three two Back here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May, Matt Bonaparte, getting you ready for the Bayheim's Army game that is happening at 2 o'clock. But we're going to step away from the basketball talk a little bit and get you to the football gridiron because the football season is coming up very quickly. So let's actually get you ready for that. And let's look at some preseason watch list players that Syracuse has, has put on some of these, you know, nation, national, big watch lists that I assumed... Syracuse as a 1-10 team last season and looking like a 1-11 team, maybe 2-10 team this upcoming season. Uh, they actually have some some players that are shining, which is impressive. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter first, at OrangeFizz. Now, let's get in and let's start with the kicker because, I mean, why not start with the kicker, Matt? Uh, Andre Schmidt, named to the Lou Groza Award watch list ahead of the season. He won the Lou Groza Award, which is given out to the best kicker in the country as a true freshman way back in 2018, I think that was, or maybe it was 2019. Was what, 2018. Uh, no, it was 2018. Thank you. Yeah, my memory is, my memory is good. Uh, so Schmidt on the Lou Groza Award, I don't think this is too much of a surprise. I think it would be more of a surprise if he wasn't on there because, you know, you can't take the former winner off the watch list. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse kind of turning into uh, STU. Special Teams U. Special Teams special U. Teams yeah, U. I couldn't. I was going to yeah. say punter U, but he's not a punter. No, uh, but Sterling Hoffrichter, Nolan Cooney now, you know, you got Andre Schmidt as well. I mean, 
you got to love these guys. And Schmidt definitely, I mean, he definitely took a step back since 2018. He was electric in 2018. And then afterwards, we've seen him miss a few that he probably shouldn't have. But, I mean, I think this guy is definitely NFL bound. Got to love Schmidt. Now, now, do you remember when they would actually put, like, Dino would pull Schmidt in the long distance kicks last season because he just didn't trust his leg? Well, I think it was more that, I don't know if it was didn't trust his leg. I think it was more that Hoffrichter just had a better one. All right. That is a, that's a bold statement. Uh, is it so a bold Sh- statement? Yeah. I mean, if you're a Lou Grozo Award winner, I think it's surprising that you would ever get pulled from whatever your job is. If you are the best in the country at doing your specific job, it's kind of a slap in the face for your coach to say, hey, we're going to put someone else in to do your specific job. All right. Well, Sterling Hoffer is in the NFL. So great content there. Okay. Now we're moving on to the Butkus Award that is given out to the nation's top linebacker. Michael Jones is probably the better. No, he is. He's hands down the best uh, defensive player on this team. And I know you're going to have a problem with that, but he gets named to the Butkus Award preseason watch list. Do you agree with that? And also, do you agree with my take that Michael Jones is the best defensive player on this team? He's definitely up there. I don't think I have a problem with that. I think that's a, a safe statement to make. I thought you were um, going to say Garrett Williams deserves that t- that top spot. No, I think it's Michael Jones. Michael's really, really good. Uh, and I think he's just going to get better this year. Syracuse, yes, they went 1-10, but they do have a lot of potential, a lot of star power on this team. Uh, Michael Jones is, is the biggest example of that, I think, on the defensive end. Uh, he, he's a very, very good linebacker, both in coverage and uh, in stuffing the run. He's a very, very good player, and I think one that is going to turn into a huge uh, leader for the Syracuse defense. And I think that his play will dictate... Uh, the play of this entire defense because they're going to kind of follow his lead in that respect. Uh, And he'll be a guy that certainly becomes a Syracuse linebacking legend of the 2020s. Okay. Well, it's not tough, too tough to to make it into the Syracuse linebacking legends club because they just really haven't had any great linebackers uh, as of recently. Armstrong is the best one that comes to my mind and he was not great at all. Um, Andrew Armstrong, that is. All right, let's move on. Bolitnikoff Award, that is, you know, the big one. A lot of people know that one. Also, Doak Walker, we'll get to that in a second. But Bolitnikoff is given to the best wide receiver in the country. I was a little surprised that he made it. I knew that he was obviously the best candidate for Syracuse to make it. But Taj Harris is named to the preseason watch list. Are you surprised by this, Matt? I, I mean, there's just so many talented wide receivers out there. This watch list has to end at some point. They can't take everyone yet Taj Harris makes it on uh, after or heading into his junior season no I'm not surprised at all Taj is really good um I think that last year he he was very good last year 733 yards five touchdowns those numbers aren't shabby uh and you have to remember he did that without a, a good quarterback you had a, a tight end playing quarterback in Rex Culpepper um without Tommy DeVito of course due to injury for most of the year. So you got to respect Taj. He also missed a game. As we all know, he flipped off a camera at Clemson. Or he missed the Clemson game because of Character issues, character Um, issues. So you've got to cite that. I mean, he missed a game, and he was playing without a a solid quarterback all year, and he still put up 700-plus yards, five touchdowns. Coming into this season with hopefully a solid quarterback throughout the season, 
Uh, you're looking yourself. at a better year. I think you're definitely looking at a better year for Taj, and he's certainly a talented player. Um, I think he's going up against a really solid uh, secondary in practice in the Syracuse secondary, and he's only getting better. So I'm not at all surprised to see Taj here, and I will not be surprised uh, if he won the finalist for this award. You wouldn't be surprised if he was a finalist? A finalist is the top 10. He's very good. Matt, I was just about to ask you if you think that he'll make the midseason list, which they cut it down to like 25-ish. Because right now there's 51 players on the Blitnikoff. If they cut it out, cut it down in half midseason, I was going to ask you if, if he would make that, and I was going to say no. Okay, you being, you say he's going to be top 10 a tad, by the end of the season? I was being a tad Jaren, but way to bog down my optimism. <laughs> oh my god. This is coming from the guy that screamed at me when I said that Syracuse would win like five that would win like five I didn't say they were going to win. Well, you were wrong and I was right. Um <laughs> and I, first of all, I never said they were going to win any games. Uh I just think Taj Harris is good. Okay. I'm not saying Taj Harris is bad. I don't think he makes the midseason list, and that might not be because of him. That just might be because he's not going to have anyone to throw to. He's also the really only target. Anthony Queeley is, I guess, wide receiver two at this exactly. point. Exactly. Only be- more, because more, he's only lost more some targets. No, I mean, yeah, targets from a subpar quarterback with that's being protected by a subpar offensive line, and you're going to gain the most defensive attention since you are really the only true option on the but outside. Think about it. He did all of that last year, and he still was good. He still put up a solid but year. But there were other options. Who? Nikeem Johnson. Na- yeah, well, Nikeem Johnson, 300 yards. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, let's move on. Tucker, Sean Tucker, makes the Doak Walker watch list. That is, of course, to the nation's top running back. Uh, I I co-sign this one. I like this one. I, I mean, Sean Tucker is a breakout star. Just on his Twitter handle alone, I would give him this award. I think he's absolutely electric. I think he's hilarious on Twitter, even though he's probably not trying to be. Uh, he has the upside and the potential to make it into the midseason list. I don't think he'll be a finalist because just as much as you know the wide receiver list, there's so many talented wide receivers. There's just as many wi- talented running backs in the country. So I think he'll flirt with that finalist list. I think he'll be midseason Doak Walker watch list. I, I, I love that he's on here. I don't think he'll be a finalist, though. Sean Tucker, watching Sean Tucker uh, this season is going to be very interesting. The The running back room has changed drastically from what it was last season. Last year, Jawar Jordan was the number one heading into week one of the season. This year, you've got Cooper Lutz, who had that 100-yard game against Wake Forest that people seem to forget about. You've got Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard coming back, and of course, Tucker as the number one uh, feature back. But... He's going to have to start splitting carries with all of these guys and losing a lot of time on the field because, as we know, he was really he was rushed to death last season. He got injured halfway through, um, and you know he was he was really just used as the only thing they could use on the offense because Rex Culpepper didn't really know what he was doing. So, coming up this season, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him and whether or not he's used in the red zone and see what kind of carries Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard get. Cause I don't know about you, Jaron, but I think that 
Sean Tucker is is lengths better than Abdul Adams or Jarvion Howard yeah. are. Yeah. Um, I, I think Sean my, Tucker's my, really, really good, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up an 800-plus year this year. Yeah, well, 800 is... Uh, yeah, actually, I could see that. Now that I think about it, 12 games instead of 11 last season, he was injured for part of it. He was just getting breaking out onto the scene. Yeah, I, I mean, you said that he was going to have to, you know, share carries and split time in the backfield. That might be true because, you know, I don't think Dino Babers is the smartest offensive coach but if I was coach, I would just let him run and let him go as long as he is healthy, as long as he is feeling it. I don't care about the other guys. Sure, they're solid backups. They're they're nothing, you know, too shabby. But Sean Tucker is your guy, your future. I would feed him the ball as much as possible. Well, uh, Matt, before we hit a break, I got one question for you, and then I, I have a take that I really need to get out about all of these watch list candidates. Uh, so first, the question for you is, if any four of these watch lists, so again, it's Sean Tucker for running back, Taj Harris for wide receiver, Michael Jones for linebacker, and Andre Schmidt for kicker, if any of these four were to win their respective award, who do you think is most likely to have that award? I think it's got to be Schmidt. He already won it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one's easy. Uh, yeah. Let me take Schmidt off the table then. Out of the three, Michael Jones, Taj Harris, Sean Tucker. I don't think any of them are going to win it. I just don't think I, I say, it's a possibility. I don't think. I don't even think. I don't even think Andre Schmidt will win. But, um, but just for the hypothetical, I'll probably go with Michael Jones. Wow. Okay. I think he's I think really, Sean really talented. I was I was tabling whether it was Tucker or Jones, but I think I think Michael Jones is really really talented. Now, I think there's fewer talented linebackers than there are talented running backs, um, but I just think Sean Tucker is probably the best player at his specific position on this team, and that's how I got to mine. All right, uh, I got to get this takeout, and then we'll hit a quick break. Uh, listen to this. You have, and you you kind of alluded to this earlier, you're a little surprised that there are so many uh, Syracuse players on these watch lists even though they're not a great team overall and they don't win a ton of games and I agree with you on that one uh it's a little surprising but it's also not when you look at the talent on the roster they have a lot of very talented individuals so what does that mean even though they're just one in ten that means the coaching is wrong that means that the coaching is wrong. The coaching needs fixing. The coaching is the problem for this Syracuse team because if you have four players on these lists that are honoring the best individual athletes at their position in the country, it's something wrong and you're only winning one game. There's something wrong with your program and it starts at the top because the bottom the players they seem to have enough talent you're still only winning one to two maybe three games a season you got to look upstairs and you got to look at Dino Babers and company because there is an issue with this team well you're not the first to think that as that was the entire conversation of last year um I think that everybody uh, uh, listening to this podcast, all of Fizz Nation, will definitely agree with you. As we know, they they don't really love Coach Dino Babers all that much. I don't know if I necessarily agree. I don't think Dino Babers is like anything special, but I also don't think he's awful. Um, I think last year's record was they, they they were they played way worse than they actually were, uh, and I think that they're going to be better this year. 
but it's certainly going to be a telling year, and this is one where I think Dino's going to need five or six wins to keep his name in contention of having this job going forward. Um, I don't think he's an awful coach, but I don't think he's that great. I know that's kind of really mild from me, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't, I don't think it's too hot of a take from you, though. Wow. Well, I, I just put my, you know, take on the on right on the plate, and you just said, yeah, he's good, but he's also not bad. I got to so keep it honest you for with staying you, right, right down the, minute, the middle. All right, right after the break, we got five-star review on Fizz Radio. I'm going to need a five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, five stars. Fizz Radio, Jaron May, Matt Bonaparte with you, leading you up to TBT as Bayheim's Army is getting ready to take on an Elite Eight matchup. But before that game happens later this afternoon, we got to get to five-star review, and that is where we are now, Matt. Uh, that's the segment that we talk about all the recruiting news in Syracuse sports that you need to know. We're going to start and we're going to finish with basketball today because there's some big news coming out of the recruiting front for Syracuse basketball. And the big name, Kyle Filipowski, which in our Fizz feedback last week, we asked out of the 2022 recruits, who does Syracuse need to land to live up to all of the hype that this recruiting class is having? Everyone voted for Kyle Filipowski. He got 58% of the vote on our Twitter page at Orange Fizz. He decides to go to Duke. Now, I don't think this comes as a surprise as to many people. He wasn't recruited by the Blue Devils at the beginning. Syracuse was in pretty early on him. He was showing signs that he really liked the 315. Then Duke comes in and steals him away. It's a classic story. It's happened many a times before. I'm not surprised, Matt. I assume you're not surprised. However, it's still a really big miss for Syracuse. No, I mean, if you looked at the guy, it looks just like Christian Leitner. I mean, this dude is—he's—he's <laughs> he's just cut for Duke. He just is. Um, yeah, I don't think he was ever going to go to Syracuse. He was just waiting to see uh, if he was going to get the Duke offer, and then you know he was done. It was done. Just and the the visit. John Shire recruited him. John Shire is going to be the coach when he gets there. It's all too perfect. Of course, he was going to go to Duke. Um, I hope no Syracuse fans are out there thinking. SU really had a good shot at him because I really never thought they did. Um, so, no, I'm not at all surprised. Uh, and I hope that uh, for Syracuse's sake, he just doesn't perform against the Orange but has a great career otherwise. <laughs> I wish him all the best, but I hope he sucks against Syracuse. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Now, so... I I think this goes a little deeper than just, hey, Syracuse missed out on a 6'10", really talented player, because when you look deeper into this recruiting class in the future of Syracuse basketball, the biggest question mark is not on the wings, because they have plenty of talent there, specifically with Justin Taylor and Kamari Lance coming in. You have Benny Williams. Now, he might not stay around too long, because he seems like a one-and-done, maybe two-and-done type of guy. Uh, in the guard position, you have some some rumblings in the recruiting world that we'll we'll get to in a bit but the biggest worry for Syracuse basketball moving forward and it seems to be the biggest worry every single year is who is your big man your big man is not there right now you don't have much 
You really don't. And in two years, when the class of 2022 rolls in, you're also not going to have much. You're going to have less. And in this recruiting class, you are in on Donovan Klingon, who decides to go to UConn, and Kyle Filipowski, who decides to go to Duke. It just shows that Jim Beheim is really good at recruiting wings. I'm not taking anything away from that, but he does not have the ability to land a solid big man, a big man for the future that this team and this roster has been missing for years. I just want to say, Jaron, that I love that you just made a Star Trek reference without even knowing it. I have no idea uh, what I said. You said Donovan Klingon, which is just hysterical. Um but uh, I'm, where, I, I'm sorry, you, you threw me off the track there. What, <laughs> what were you talking about? That just threw I'm, me for a loop when you said Donovan Klingon. I'm talking about how Syracuse can never recruit a center. They don't yeah, yeah, have yeah. Okay, centers. Well, I, I remembered. I had a good point. Listen, I'm sorry. Your Donovan Klingon thing just threw me for a loop. <laughs> um, yeah, no. They, uh, Jesse Edwards is going to be the guy that they're going to have to rely on, and that is not really an optimal sentence. Um, because you, you said they're going to get even worse in 2022, and you're not wrong. But I don't even know how you can get much worse from having only Burama Sidibe and Jesse Edwards. And Frank Anselm. Like, that's your future. Oh, I forgot about Frank Anselm. Good point. That's I your, totally forgot about that's Frank. That's your future. Um, no, but I really don't think Frank Anselm is going to turn into Hakeem Olajuwon anytime soon. <laughs> um, but Jesse Edwards is – you're going to have to hope and pray that Jesse Edwards becomes some sort of presence on the offensive end because he's really not too bad at defense. Like, he can kind of anchor the zone that we saw at the end of last year. If he can really step that up this offseason and come into this fall and be a guy that you can rely on to play good defense, defense down there then you really only have to work on getting him to a point where he can make a layup and then you're like in a decent spot because Syracuse only needs to rely on a dude who can catch a rebound and put the ball back up and score um which they haven't been able to do since Rakeem Christmas was in town so yeah that, that this has always been the big conversation they, they miss out on Donovan Klingon as well as Kyle Filipowski now you hate to see both of those things but looking forward you're gonna have to I, I mean I'm sure that this has been the strategy for years, and I don't know exactly why. I don't have all the answers as to why Syracuse can't get a big man, but they're gonna—they have to put a and more concerted effort forward to get to get one because it will really elevate this program. And I think that this program is only getting better. You're bringing in a huge class next year. Uh, I know it's only two guys, but you're bringing in Kamari Lands, a five-star recruit as well as Justin Taylor, a four-star, and you're probably going to get Quadir Copeland, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. You're bringing in a great recruiting class, which is only going to translate to future recruiting success. If you play it the right way, you've got to get a big man at some point. Yeah, I, and it's surprising that they don't put more of a focus there. They they recruit so many wings, they just don't recruit. Like, they had two offers out at center, but for wings, they had five out there. And, you know, if you want to com really say Roddy Gale, technically he could be a wing, whatever. But you have like five to seven, def depending on how you define wing. And every year you get beat down low by the ACC powers that have true big men. It's a little surprising they don't go uh, and focus a little more on recruiting big men. 
It's five-star review. It's Jared May and Matt's Bo- it's Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Let's get to the second half of this Fizz Radio, and that is where we go to Kadir Copeland. The three-star slash four-star, depending on the website that you look at, has Syracuse in his top eight that he just announced on Twitter, and he plans on amount- announcing who he will be committing to on August 10th, so just about just over a week until we figure out if the four-star picks Syracuse, which a lot of these recruiting experts are predicting. Yeah, you mentioned the recruiting experts. I think you're talking about the same ones I'm talking about, 24-7 and Rivals.com. Both of them yep. have their experts saying that Kudir Copeland will be going to Syracuse 100%. Uh, the only team that was really in contention for Copeland other than SU was Maryland. Um, but I think that we will see Copeland join that 2022 class, which just makes it even better Syracuse is going to end up with a really, really high-ranked class, and I really think that they're going to return. Eventually, I really do think that they're going to return to recruiting dominance that they had in the early 2010s, in the late 2000s, the early 2000s. I think that they're going to return to being that school where your offer means a whole lot. Um, But obviously that comes down to success and whether or not they can get back to the point that they were during those years and start getting closer to winning championships uh, and being a team that wins close to 30 games every year because that's what these SU fans are really used to and what they've been deprived of for 10 years now. So um, you're looking at Quidir Copeland to hopefully join this class. I think he's a criminally underrated recruit. 24-7 has him as a three-star, rivals a four-star. I think he is a four-star, and I think he's going to add a lot to this team if Jim Beheim plays him the way that he probably needs to be played. The interesting thing about Quidir Copeland before we hit a break in just around February in the rivals ranking specifically, he was unranked. By June, just a couple months later of this past June, he was 85th on their rankings. He has skyrocketed up the rankings, and he still has a whole senior year to continue to grow and continue to climb up those ones. Now, it will be a little interesting to see if Kadir Copeland picks Syracuse on August 10th, how that impacts J.J. Starling, who is a bona fide four-star, sometimes even five-star, depending on the website, and where that really shifts his interest if he still wants to come to Syracuse and fight for some minutes with Kadir Copeland or if that pushes him elsewhere. That's Five Star Review. After the break, Fictional Fizz, Fizz Feedback, Jaron May, Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Don't go anywhere. Wrapping up shop here on Fizz Radio, Jared May, Matt Bonaparte. Go follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Read all of our content, orangefizz.net. Matt, it's our time. It's our favorite time of the show. It's fictional fizz and fizz feedback time. And let's start with fictional fizz. This is when I create random betting lines, and you have to either pick over, under, pick the spread, whatever it is, uh, and give me your take. You ready to go? I'm ready, man. Cool. Here we go. Uh, we're going to start with Bayheim's Army. Chris McCullough is averaging 13.3 points per game. He just had a monster game in the last matchup. In this Elite 8 matchup against the Golden Eagles, will he have over or under 13.5 points? I think he'll have over. I think he's only getting better, and uh, he just needed a couple games to get comfortable in the TBT, and that he's going to show out in the Elite 8 game and, and pass that as Beheim's army hopefully keep going. I'm going to take the under, I think, and I'm smelling a DJ Kennedy game. 
I don't know why. I just am. It's in my nostrils. I'm thinking DJ Kennedy goes off. McCullough still helps. Maybe he puts up 10 to 12. I don't think he gets over 13 and a half, so give me the under. Next up on Fictional Fizz, Syracuse 2022 basketball recruiting right now nationally is the eighth best class in the country. In the past couple years, they haven't even sniffed the top 20. Uh, Over under, with all of the talent coming in in the class of 2022, over under 15 as their landing spot in the national rankings. I'm going to say over because I think they'll get Copeland and I think they'll get Starling. Um, So I'm going to go over here because I think this is going to be a huge haul for the Orange and one that sets them up for a lot of Technically, you mean under. You mean under. Sure, sure, under. Whatever the higher one is. That's a little, a better. Like, you think they're going to do better than 15? I think they will do better than 15. Okay. All right. I'm going to say that they're going to be just under, or rather over. Crap, it got me too. I think they'll be a little worse than 15. They'll be, like, right around the 20th. Uh, I I just still think it's so tough to crack the the top 20. the pessimist, Jaron? I know. I am. Uh, Last one for Fictional Fizz. When John Eads, one of our members here on Orange Fizz, did simulation Syracuse for the opening game of the Syracuse football season of, on Ohio, which you go you can go check out at orangefizz.net, uh, Syracuse took down Ohio 29 to nothing. So, Matt, I ask you, Syracuse is favored in this hypothetical by 28 and a half points against Ohio to open the season. Do they cover the 28 and a half? Do they win by 29 or more, or are they winning by 28 or less or losing? That's some fictional fizz groundbreaking history you just made. <laughs> simulation Syracuse, simulation baby. Syracuse. Honestly, I thought it was going to be a trivia question, and I got really nervous for a second. Um, I thought it was going to be like, who scored the first touchdown? I got, I was shook. Um, I'm going to go uh, under. I'm going to say they win by 28 or under. Okay. I'm also I just think Ohio that. is actually like a talented football team. Yes, I'm going to go under. Ohio just lost their head coach. He just stepped away from the program. I still think that Syracuse football will never beat a team by 29 or more points. Maybe Albany. I take that back. Maybe you Albany this year, but it's not going to be against Ohio. John Eads, I appreciate everything that you do, but there is no way that is the final score. But again, if you want to go check out Simulation Syracuse, orangefizz.net. All right. Now, let's get to our fictional fizz before we wrap up this show, or rather fizz feedback. This is when we post polls on our Twitter page, at Orange Fizz, and we get the pulse and the feedback from all of you, our listeners. So the first question, what Syracuse basketball game are you most looking forward to next season? The Battle for Atlantis Tournament, Georgetown in D.C., Villanova at MSG, or Duke, which is the last Coach K game? I think for me it's uh, Nova and MSG. I love the uh, I love the the Big East throwback at the the best arena in sports. I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch and one that I think Syracuse has a good chance of winning and one that I think a lot of SU fans would obviously love to see them win and would would pump the nostalgia right back in to the fans' hearts. Yeah, that's going to be a good game. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say battle for Atlantis because that's three games against really uh, top-tier competition. But you win. Duke got 48% of the vote. Next one. Who has impressed you most on Bayheim's Army? DJ Kennedy, DeAndre Kane, Chris McCullough, or Kiefer Sykes? For me, it's Kiefer Sykes just because I think that 
the expectations were the lowest for Kiefer, and he's really blown them out of the water. And he's a lot of fun to watch. He can shoot the three ball, and he hits the clutch threes. He plays great defense, and he's like a small guy. Reminds me of like a right-handed Isaiah Thomas running around. Uh, I love that for him. Yeah, no, he's he's a fun guy to watch, 100%. A lot of energy. I'm going Chris McCullough, though, just because he's leading the team and scoring. I, I like what he's doing for Bayheim's Army. Last one. Besides the quarterback, who will be the most influential player for Syracuse football this season? Taj Harris, Sean Tucker, Garrett Williams, Josh Black. Uh, I think it'll probably be Sean Tucker just because he's going to get so many carries. Uh, I would have loved to see Michael Jones or perhaps an offensive lineman here, and I know the fans agree, uh, but I'll leave that to you. Uh, I went Sean Tucker as well. Running back is going to dominate this offense, hopefully. All right, that's going to do it for Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte, Jaron May signing off. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.